I'm an artist with no collectors, no connections, no clout, and no social media presence. In this podcast, you will get a behind-the-scenes look at the actions I'm taking to change all that. I've made a one-year commitment to share my successes and failures and everything I learned along the way as I attempt to build an art business from the ground up. Welcome to Artistic Ambition. My name is Christina Elkins. I'm going to start this episode with an update about my nine huge paintings that I got asked to do to stage for an open house of a million dollar home that's coming on the market in my local area. Creating nine large paintings was a huge undertaking for me, but I'm proud to say I was able to complete the task within five weeks. It took a lot of planning and a lot of time and effort on my part and my family's part to sacrifice that time. You can check out these nine paintings on my website under the open house tab, and you're welcome to give me any feedback you'd like about them, whether you think they're good or bad or whatever. The first open house is April 7th, and I really have no idea how this is going to go or if I'll sell anything or what's going to happen. Here's my workflow on how I was able to get those paintings completed in time. I work my regular job from 9 o'clock until 1 o'clock every day. And then from 1 o'clock until 5 o'clock, I was able to do the painting. I often was painting at home on the kitchen table at night after my three-year-old went to bed. And generally, my husband was taking the lead on our children all through the month of February so that I could really focus on painting as quickly and as fast as I could. Yes, quickly and fast mean the same thing, but you get the point. I was trying to hurry. I had nine huge paintings to do in five weeks. I had never done anything like this before. And whenever I say large paintings, several of the paintings were about three feet by six feet. And probably half of them were about that size and then several that were three by four and then a set that were three foot by three foot. So those were roughly the sizes of canvas that I was working on. I did oil painting. I did some gouache. I did an abstract, but mostly I like to do realistic artwork. And so I did kind of incorporate that even though it's a little more time consuming. That is what you know, I personally want to do and I wanted the artwork to represent some of my own personal artwork. Now let's talk about my workspace for these large paintings and the monies. One of the first videos I saw on TikTok from an artist was these huge canvases hanging on the wall. She was in a studio surrounded by all this artwork that she had been producing it was amazing. It was beautiful. She had her name on the outside, like in marquee lights. It was amazing. This girl was probably 22 years old and no hate on her. But I'm like, where did the monies come from? So obviously, I already spent the money I made in January on supplies. So basically, to start this journey, I'm going to have to have some funds. And so I got a credit card. I was given a card with a $5,000 limit. And I am going to try like crazy to keep that spending under control. I love art supplies. 
And so I'm very tempted, but I have a greater purpose that I'm trying to achieve this year. So I have to be making rational decisions when it comes to money and how I'm spending it. I will have to spend money, though, in order to create these artworks. The big nine canvases, I had to make a trip to Kansas City to get that size of canvas. I don't live that far away, so it wasn't a huge expense to do that travel. But those art supplies cost me $1,500. I've not seen any return on that. That's an initial upfront investment towards this goal. As far as my workspace goes, I'm really lucky to have a husband who has his own small business and actually is able to carve out a little space for me in the back of his warehouse storage area, which could be given over to boxes and storage at any time and I would have to vacate. Until that time, I use that space for all of my painting, for the most part. I do smaller works at home in the evening. I'm going to be really transparent with you now about my personal finances and how I'm going to be able to pursue this commitment. Obviously, I have a credit card that if I max that out, that's the end of everything. So I have to keep these expenses under control. I cannot draw finances from our personal household funds. My husband pretty much takes care of all our our needs in our home. And my day job takes care of all the extra things. Reselling as a job can be very fickle. And so some months we have a little more to do extra things and some months we don't. But at no time do we have that much extra to be financing another small business. When you see an artist online with huge spaces, access to supplies, I have to remind myself that we all come with different levels of privilege in our lives. And so whenever I'm viewing those videos of the girl in the huge studio who's very young, but amazing at art, I have to realize that she is at a different privilege level than I am. And that's okay. We all have different levels. I'm on a higher level than others. And that's just how it goes. That level will not deter me. I just have to be smart and make logical decisions as I go along this journey. One way to be smart is to do research and get advice from someone who has traveled your path before. And I really liked the research part. I will get online and read articles. I get on Pinterest and find blogs. I also listen to a lot of podcasts, as I've already said. I have a lot of downtime when I'm painting, and my day job is actually pretty solitary. And so I have my headphones in, and I'm listening to podcasts while I take pictures of the things I'm reselling and making listings. So a lot of hours in the day I can devote to podcasting. I actually listened to a podcast where they said the average person listens to um, five to eight podcast episodes a week. And I would say that my average is much higher than that even. I like to take that time and use it to be learning things. Sometimes I do listen to music, but generally I am listening to informational podcasts. A lot of it pertaining to art, marketing, 
all different subject matters. So one of the first art podcasts I listened to when I decided to make this commitment was by Susan Nethercoat, Studio Insider. I'm pretty sure I mispronounced her name, but I will have it in the show notes and you can see how to spell it if you would like to check it out. She is such a calming presence. Her voice is very nice to listen to, I have to say. And I just gained a lot of inspiration from her in the first month that I was starting down this road. She is a successful artist for quite a few years now, and that's the perspective that she brings to her podcast. She has special guests and some of her uh, studio helpers that chime in on her podcast and have really a great rapport with. She's from Australia, and it's really interesting to hear people talking about their environment that they're working from and how different it is from what I'm doing. I pretty much have binged all of her episodes, and one that really jumps out at me was her podcast episode about Pinterest. I use Pinterest a lot. I love looking through the different uh, images that they'll show you whenever you search for anything. But her and her studio assistant really delved in and helped me understand how you could really use Pinterest to help your art career. If you're an artist looking for inspiration, I would definitely check out her podcast. She is very insightful. She's very calming. And so while you're painting, it's really nice to listen to that peaceful banter about art. The most recent podcast I've been listening to is called the Art Marketing Podcast. And it's also the one that I'm taking the scary advice from. The guy who runs his podcast is the marketing director, I believe, at the website Art Storefronts. And basically, they help artists launch their careers. So why don't I just use Art Storefronts? I'm already listening to the guy's advice, and I like the advice. I think it's good advice. So why don't I just go ahead and use him? Um, Probably because it costs money and I tend to be pretty independent and I want to do this on my own. Sure, I'm taking advice from the art storefronts guy, but I take advice from a lot of sources. I don't want to pay a bunch of money to one source and that source tell me, hey, you got to do this because I feel like I'll be beholden to them or like I can't do something alternatively because I've actually paid them money. So that's why I'd rather just take the advice I want from them and advice I want from other places and compile it all together and find my own way. He has a great episode about art fairs. And in that episode, he suggests an artist should be doing three to five art fairs, at least at the minimum every year especially whenever you're starting out. In his words, it's a great way to actually meet your collectors or buyers face-to-face and start forming those connections. So why is advice about art fairs scary for me? Well, mainly because I am an introvert. The thought of spending an entire day with people judging my artwork while I stand nearby 
and try to interact and feel like a salesman, it does not sound pleasant. And I'd even go a bit further to say it's a bit scary for me. When I saw a local art market open up in the month of March, I knew this is one of those moments that I had to say yes to an opportunity. I signed up for the NWA Makers Market, and it's on April 30th. I had to pay $75 for a 10 foot by 10 foot booth. It isn't a covered area, but it doesn't have any walls. It's just, you know, the covered part. So I will have to figure out how I'm going to display my artwork and what I'm going to bring. I've never done an art market or craft fair or any kind of selling event like this. I am going to take this podcast advice and sign up for two more art fairs. I'm going to keep them local so that I don't have that added expense of traveling. According to the Art Marketing Podcast, you really need to have all the price points covered. And the way that you do that is through merchandise. I completely agree. I've seen that be successful in my own reselling business. And I'm going to take that advice and use it in my own art market booth. The merchandising price points that they talk about in the podcast are the low, medium, and high price points. It's pretty straightforward. Low would be probably like 20 to $30 and under. That mid is like 30 to a couple hundred dollars. And high would be anything over a few hundred dollars, like about two, three, anything above that to me would be a little bit higher uh, price points. So his point, you want to have these price points covered in an art market. Here are the items that I'm actually going to be merchandising with. Obviously, uh, I produce wall art. I'm painting oil paintings. So, you know, you have to think about, you know, how do you merchandise your oil paintings? So we'll start at the low price point. And for my low price point, I'm going to have bookmarks and stickers. So uh, like I said, I paint a lot of flowers and I also like to paint vintage glass animals. And sometimes I put them in realistic scenes, but a lot of times I just like to paint glass. That's one of the things I like to paint. So I pretty much am able to pull out the subject matter of my painting and take it into Procreate and add a white border around it, sign it, and then I send it off to get stickers made. Well, I realized really quick that in order to get stickers made, I would need to go, you know, to a sticker wholesaler, like Sticker Mule or a place like that. So I got on there and did some research you have to buy a high quantity of stickers, like one type of sticker or like one picture of a sticker to get the lowest price point per sticker. It seemed like the quantity was pretty high. I don't have a ton of money and I have no idea how this is going to go. So then it dawned on me. My sister also runs a crafting business and her business is called uh Crooked Fence Creations, and she's on Facebook, but she 
creates stickers. She also she does uh she has the cricket and she does like all kinds of sublimation and she does all kinds of crafts. Not I mean the girl loves to craft things and she loves to use that machine and she will use it on everything. So I did reach out to her and I said, "Hey, you know, if you wholesale the sticker to me, can you make some money off of it too?" She did some math. She said, yeah, I can make a little bit. And so I pretty much wholesaled it to her. And we figured out, like, instead of me ordering 100 of one picture that I have, I was able to order, like, 25 of one picture I had and kind of have a really broad range of stickers that I have available at my fair. And I feel like... That's going to let me kind of gauge what's going to do well and what's not. You know, if I only printed three stickers and no one liked those three, then I was just taking a guess. This gives me the uh, ability to put all my options out there at a reasonable price, a reasonable quantity, and she prints them up for me. And and it's super easy. Of course, working with her is very easy. And I'm glad that we can have that relationship. So after talking to her, she's like, hey, I'll print stickers up for anybody. <laughs> so uh, she, I've been encouraging her to offer her stickers out there for the public also. And so she is offering that now on her Facebook site. And so if anyone wants some stickers, they're good quality stickers. They're waterproof. They're shiny. She even does uh, some with like little iridescent on my one of my roses. It like you can see the shimmer and it's really pretty. And I was thrilled to be able to just work with her directly instead of trying to figure this all out through a a company that I don't know that's out there on the internet. So so I was really excited to do that. So and then I also have the bookmarks and what I'm doing with bookmarks, sometimes I misprint something, but part of it will print. And so I'm just taking all my messed up prints, basically, or not complete prints, or if I mess something up, and I'm just cutting them down to the size of a bookmark and embellishing them a little bit, trying to keep it pretty simple. And they're really cute and we'll see how they do, but they're a low price point item that I can have available if someone only has a few bucks to spend. Another thing I decided to do was allow my daughter to put some of her crochet items into my art fair booth. And those will probably be a low to mid price point. Uh, she likes to crochet bookmarks also, and they're really cute and they ha they're leaves and they have little beads on them. She crochets those and she likes to crochet all kinds of things, but they're usually like smaller projects. So I'm going to have her a little spot that she can see what it's like to be part of the art fair. We're going to man our booth together. So that will be exciting for us or probably mostly me. <laughs> so the medium price point I would say would be the prints that I'm making. have no idea how many prints to make for this, but since I am going to do three art fairs, I figure I might as well just stock up quite a few for that first art fair and then I'll be able to really gauge what pictures are more popular than others. I really don't have any idea 
Um, I can tell like on Facebook or Instagram that some of my paintings get more feedback than others. And so I'm gauging it kind of off that a little bit, but I'm just going to have almost all my paintings made into prints. I'm going to have several different sizes. And then um, the ones I've received the most popular feedback on, I'm going to have a few of those of a little bit larger, like 11 by 14. I'll have those available also. I bought mat boards for them and they look so nice. I well, Printing those was really exciting for me. And putting the mat on them, they just looked so great. I was just, I just felt really proud whenever I was doing it. The high price point will obviously be my original artwork. And some of those will be framed. I'm going to have um, mostly prints available, but I'm going to have a, a couple higher price point items. I have a, one or two larger items and they're, one of them is, you know, closer to a couple thousand dollars. And then I have some that are going to be more like 700 and then one that's going to be like 500. So I'm just going to have a sprinkle of the higher price points. I'm not expecting to sell them, but I did agree with the art marketing guy who said that, you know, you need that, that high anchor so that people can see that you do value your artwork. And so I think that's a valid point. Not expecting to sell something for $2,000 on an art fair, but I'm going to have it there. It's a great painting. It's one of the ones I love the most, and I'm going to put it out there and let people see, hey, this is what I can also do. Another area of my uh, art fair booth that I'm going to have set up is my commission section. I will be exploring how to display that and how to gather people's information and be able to have the ability to email them or call them or text them after the event. Because a lot of times if people see it, something like that, they're like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. And then they never think about you again. So I'm brainstorming all those things right now and trying to figure out how I'm going to be setting up my booth and all that stuff. I'm really excited about the art fair. But like I've already mentioned, I'm, I'm pretty nervous about it. I have no idea what to expect. So we'll see how that goes. I spent February creating these large paintings, which means I wasn't really boosting my commissions very much in my local area. I did end up doing two commissions during that time, and my February sales were $222. My February opportunity was hanging some of my original artworks in a local small business. Their name is Sustainable Refillery, and basically their goal is to reduce plastic in the environment and other things that I care about. I did reach out to her and ask her if she'd be interested in displaying some of my artwork for sale. I had actually painted a mural for them in their new small business that they opened in our town. The relationship was really smooth and we seemed to work pretty well together in that she was very excited and I took my stuff over there and I hung it up. I had about, I think I have five pieces over there. And I tried to make them, I do a lot of uh, leaves and flowers and organic and botanical things, which kind of fits into her uh, decor that she has. She didn't ask, but I decided if I do happen to sell something over at her business, I will give them a 10% commission off of that. I think they see the value of having my artwork there, showing that they value 
local businesses as well. One thing I figured out was when hanging up my artwork for sale in a local place of business is to have a place card basically with the painting information, but also a Venmo code directly to my Venmo account. So if someone did happen to purchase, they can just scan the code, pay whatever the card says, and basically take it off the wall and take it with them. That's pretty much how I had it set up. I didn't want a business to feel like they had to put a lot of effort into selling my artwork or if it sold, like they had a lot of responsibilities to complete that transaction. I immediately get notified if someone uh, scans my Venmo code and sends me money. So if there were any issues, I could resolve them immediately. Let's finish up this February recap. My sales were lackluster in February because of the big project I took on. So next time I'll have to take into account the time investment of big projects moving forward and make sure they're worth pursuing because I wasn't able to do very many commission portraits. And so my sales for the month of February were $220 and that came from the two pet portraits that I did. My February expenses were $890. And honestly, there's not a really large significant purchase out of those expenses. It was just a lot of little stuff I had to buy. Paper to start making prints, supplies for packaging and marketing, just a lot of little things all adding up. That's not even taking into account the trip I had to make to Kansas City for the large paintings that I completed. And that expense was more like $1,500. My total expenses were $2,390. I was able to complete 11 paintings for the open house and two portraits for the month of February. Even though my expenses were pretty high this month, I'm more focused than ever. I know it's going to take an initial investment to get things going But I am feeling the pressure to stay consistent with my day job too. It's been really hard to be motivated to do that work. We have to have money coming in to cover pop-up expenses all the time. So I got to keep working away at that day job. In my next episode, which will be the March recap, although looking back now, it feels like it flew by and I'm not even sure what happened. So this podcast is a great way for me to constantly examine my actions and make sure that I'm adjusting as I go and making good decisions. I feel like this is a huge learning process and I really hope that you can learn along with me and that I'm able to add value to your journey as well. If you'd like to check out my website and see if all of this is just a foolish endeavor, then you can find me at caseartworks.com. And you can also follow me on any of my social media platforms. I have Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. I'd love for you to follow along or walk beside me in this journey. And let's see what happens at the end of the year.